Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard and welcome to Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation. Well, on a very big news day in the Australian beer scene, with the news that Coca-Cola Amatil has purchased the Feral Brewing Company, James Atkinson and I have a very frank chat with Feral founder and former owner, Brendan Varus. Brendan discusses the sale, why he made the decision, why sell to Coke, and what it means both for the brewery and for the broader beer industry. As always, we hope you enjoy the conversation. Brendan Barris, welcome to Radio Brews News. Uh, mate, big news today, um, the sale of Feral. Uh, talk us through it. Talk us through it. Um, thanks for having me, by the way, and for the chance to, to do that. Uh, where, where are we at? So we've agreed today to sell Feral Brewing to Amatil. Um, not... Uh, something that we took lightly. Um, I think most people would know that we've been doing this for a long time now and we've done it um, our way um, quite steadfastly over the whole journey. And, and I guess we came to this decision on the basis that with some future plans and some capital needed, um, a sale was going to be the best way to get us there as quickly as we could. Big decision, obviously. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those decisions that really seems to uh, cause much angst in the beer drinking community. Feral is a founding, you know, one of the er very early um, brewers. People have a passionate um, attachment to, to the brand and, and you, uh, what you represent. Um, how hard was the decision to make to, to sell? Yeah, look, uh, there was lots... So there was lots to consider in getting there and certainly selling the brewery when we opened 15 years ago wasn't something we ever considered and we didn't even really consider it until probably late last year. We'd just done a big upgrade and um, brewery's great, beer was going better than ever. You know, we had some nice growth happening um, but as a single shareholder, um, it's a very unique um, capital model in Australia. I don't think there's too many people that have a, a single shareholder that's managed to grow their business and also buy out other shareholders along the way. Um, and so when look the reality of some of what we'd spent and maybe some of the leveraging debt-wise um, that was sitting on top of one set of shoulders uh, started to feel the weight of that, um, that was probably when we started to have a conversation with my wife Gab and I um, and think what's next and um, how do we get rid of a little bit of that weight and equally what does the business need to be able to to continue to do what we want it to do which is you know continue to innovate continue to be able to focus on quality first and not have to compromise those decisions because of any um, financial type offer um, financial type considerations um, and you know new projects that we'd like to execute we were you know some of those things especially the new projects were miles away um, if we had to worry about clearing out um, some of the overhead debt that we got now um, and it's just going to bring it all a lot forward so really it's, it's about cleaning up a bit of debt on the balance sheet was the original was the original driver but it quickly became apparent that for all people concerned all stakeholders um, so that's kind of staff uh, ourselves and also consumers there's a there's a benefit to an entire sale I guess that's w w with all of the passion around craft and you know everyone talks about what craft means and what independence means. There, there is a flip side to that, and uh, you, you talk about debt um, and 
for all of us dead is a, is a bit of a stress, but when you're running a business and you've recently just had to uh, move a brewery uh, quite soon after you built a production brewery, um, how are you feeling about being out from under that debt? Oh, once we get there, oh, look, the, the fact that it's coming um, is already taking a, a weight off. And in many ways, I guess it's um, the idea that I'm going to be able to get back to concentrating on, on what I like most, which is, you know, working with brewers, mentoring brewers, um, talking about beer, promoting what craft beer is and what's good about it, being able to get back to that day in, day out, as opposed to having to worry about balance sheets and things like that. That the fact that that's now a thing is fantastic. Brendan, was there also a pragmatic aspect to it in the sense that I remember you yourself saying, um, you know, probably a year or two ago now that there's only going to be so many um, of these brewery buyouts. Did, did you feel like, you know, it was sort of now is the right time just to sell um, in that sense? Not, not really. That's not really a motivator, I don't think. Um, it was, it was more, the conversation was more around, well, what, wh when, 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 what are we going to do with it? Like, fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I've got a couple of daughters. They're not particularly interested in being entrepreneurial and certainly not interested in beer at all. So the old, the, the, the I guess the, um, the plan to hand down to family wasn't really one. So, so when was the right time? It's like, there's no point dying. Uh, and willing it off to Lord knows who. So then when we looked at where we were and what was needed, and it just kind of all made sense from there. And what about um, in terms of, you know, possible suitors? Was Coca-Cola Amateur the only company you spoke with? Uh, no, we had a chat with everybody. Um, and there's even suitors that we didn't know existed, other outside the, probably the usual, usual suspects. Um, I think we went with Amatul for a couple of reasons. One was uh, their beer team quickly understood what they were buying. I got really comfortable that they knew what they were buying and, and that there's got to be a lot of... that there's more effort probably involved in continuing to grow, maintain and grow our business um, than perhaps some other brands because they're a bit less challenging perhaps in, in their offering and they perhaps haven't necessarily been as liquid focused as we have throughout our journey they really understood that and they were clear on that really quick that they that they did um and also the size of their where they're at within their beer journey too they're in a brand building stage so so our feral ice still think needs building as a brand and they've really got that mindset within their beer business right now so it's not going to have have to be a, a whole new thought pattern for them it's like so we're busy building these brands um, and this is another one to be added to it, as opposed to companies that you know, perhaps got big brands already. We just drop it in the portfolio and don't do it. Well, Amatil aren't in that space. And the other one was, I guess, um, they were happy just to buy it and not compel compel me in any way going forward. Have to come back and and get part of the money later. As in, I'd be I'd have to turn up to work or turn up to the brewery. I've never ever turned up there because I have to. And I didn't want to sell under conditions that perhaps would mean I've got to do another three years or five years in order to complete a process. So I'll absolutely still be there, 100% fully involved, but it's by choice rather than because of 
finalising a commercial arrangement that perhaps starts now and goes on for many years into the future. It, it, did you need um, much convincing? It's interesting to hear your talk of uh, CCA in that way because in a lot of ways they haven't really set the beer world on fire with some of their brands. Um, Beryl is a fairly adventurous uh, beer, um, brewer. Um, your, your, your beers are quite big, very different to, to what they're making. Did you need some uh, convincing that they really got what you, you know, that they were picking up what you're putting down? The conversations were long, um, but they, do they need convincing? No, they, they knew what we were. I don't think, we probably weren't the only, may or may not have been the only brewery that they were looking at. So they certainly knew who was who in the zoo, so to speak, and how each one behaves and sits and plays and whatever. So they were pretty clear on which, where we were and what we were and they could repeat it back to me almost before I said it. They, they could explain where they thought we were and what we were in terms almost better than I could. Um, so that actually was quite a simple piece. So what are the day-to-day -day practicalities uh, of the mergers, you know, for example, for the, for the buyout? Uh, you know, for example, are we going to see sales reps selling Blue Moon, Recorder League, and Feral White or Feral Hophog suddenly uh, you know, uh, being sold beside Coca-Cola products or... Yeah, um, and look, the integration piece is still to be finalised, but there's a few bits that have been kind of locked down. So f first and foremost, there'll still be a, the existing team of Feral Brewing Co sales staff doing what they do. Um, it'll probably allow them more to focus on craft beer-centric world uh, rather than having to be spread across the whole of the beer world. Um, so all of the sales team obviously remain and, and they'll continue to... to talk loudly and proudly about, about feral and our products. Um, one of the benefits, obviously, when you move to a, a larger company uh, is that they do have some distribution and sales force power. So, so whilst there'll be the dedicated sales team, certainly we'd expect that the amateur team, um, which numbers I'm not sure, but in the hundreds, um, the sales team, uh, to have feral as one of their offerings and, and and as it as supports required, then the then the feral dedicated people can be there to support that. They will. will also have within the very large sales force a, a a separate dedicated beer team. So that's in addition. So we're going to have lots more feet on the ground, and so hopefully it'll let our beer getting get in front of more craft beer lovers more easily. And what about yourself, Brendan? If you don't have any obligation to um, stay on, you still see yourself being part of the business, um, you know, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually looking forward to um, being able to get in there and talk about executing some of the things that have been maybe plans a bit into the future, being able to perhaps with a clear head without any financial pressure there to make some decisions without that sitting over the top of me. Um, yeah, I'm back there and it's pretty well business as usual as far as I'm concerned. And you're very much committed to beer, the brewing industry for, for, for keeps now? Yeah, I don't, th I don't think anyone, um, not, not a lot of people voluntarily leave the brewing industry and I'm certainly, um, I've got, you know, over the, over the journey I've made outstanding friends both within the business and then um, I guess um, amongst other brewers and um, even trade partners and suppliers have made some fantastic friends there. So, 
uh, no intention whatsoever to walk away from all that. Have you talked to any of those friends about the decision or has it been something you've really had to keep close to yourself? No, there's no one. Just it's really just been a um, Gab and myself and then a couple of our internal people and, and that's really been it at this stage. So I, I guess once we're done here, the phone will be ringing and I'll be doing a lot of talking. <laughs> Are you concerned about what the reaction's going to be? Um, I, don't, I don't know about concern. I'm pretty comfortable with... Um, the fact that we sold and I'm pretty comfortable about going forward what's going to happen um, with Feral and that is that we'll continue to make beer at the highest possible standard. We will continue to innovate and um, to endeavour to bring more and interesting new beer to Australia. I've got no doubt that that's going to remain the same. Um, people are going to have their views on ownership means and that's that's their right but I'd just ask perhaps um, going forward let's just before all the doomsayers say the beer's going to be bad or they're going to not make not be as prolific in relation to new releases let's maybe let time judge that um, before you go and jump on that bandwagon maybe judge us on our on our efforts going forward and and I hopefully everyone will be pleasantly surprised though or at least those people that that um, have doubts You've talked about, you know, the amount of debt that you've, that you, you know, that you've taken on and the sort of pressure that that's involved, um, you know, especially moving to the new brewing facility. Have you, you know, has the growth of the business been in line with what you were um, expecting when you, when you took on that, you know, that, that extra pressure? Yeah, the business growth has been, has still been good. Um, I think most breweries would probably know if you craft beer in Australia has kind of flipped around a little bit when we first opened our production brewery in 2012 there was an under capacity of um, brewing and an over demand of craft beer consumers now it's been a lot of brewing capacity come on in the last four or five years um, and whilst demand for craft beer has grown certainly not in line with um, the amount of capacity that's come on so look growth you need to work harder for we still get it and we get it um, a good level of growth. It was more, perhaps I didn't realise, we had an extra few number of zeros sitting on the shoulders um, meant b before it was actually there. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't that, that we weren't growing or that we, that we worried about growing. Um, it was more just probably I might have un under-anticipated, is that a word, um, what, what that um, extra pressure might have felt like. It is, I guess there are whole elements in that, that when you're sitting at home drinking a beer, thinking about what independence means and what craft means and getting caught up in the definitions, you don't think about some of the other sides, what it's like to run a business for 15 years. And uh, do you have the same enthusiasm that you had? Well, when you started Feral, what were, what were your hopes for it? And uh, you know, do you still have the same sense of fun that you had when, when you started? Yeah, we do have the same sense of fun and what were the, ho the hopes were pretty simple and I think that's, that's one of the things I'm most proud about is probably we've stuck to to what we'd hoped for. It's really quite easy to, um, you know, to make beers that we want to drink and that we've got personal respect for. I roll that line out all the time, but it's been one that's our thing from day one and I think we've, we've carried that through right till today and we still do that. So, so being able to do that is, is certainly rewarding. Um, there's no end in sight for that happening and the ability to get back into thinking more about beer and less about corporate side um, for me is really something that I'm looking forward to. That said, you're stepping into a 
going from being the bloke who gets to pretty much have final say on all decisions to stepping into an organisation where you need to ask permission to do a lot of things or get things. How's your, uh, how good are you at filling out reports? <laughs> um, look, that, that's going to be new. That's just a new reality. But like I said, we've had the conversations about why Feral does what it does. Um, I'm going to suggest things in line with exactly what we've historically done and, and my expectation is that that'll be understood, assessed, and then we'll go forward from there. But... Yep, having to ask permission is not something I've done in a long time. <laughs> um, you've obviously got a pretty unique uh, situation in the Brewcorp um, arrangement that you have with Nail, where you, you share that production brewery in Bassendine. What's going to happen as a result of this? Yeah, that was obviously a key part, key part of it, um, making sure that um, John and, and Nail uh, have got a certain and clear future pathway. Uh, and that is the case. So their beer will still be made at Brewcorp. Um, John will still have the exact same input into that that he always has. Um, and going forward, I think John may continue to do that ongoing or he may decide that he wants to branch out I'd, and I'm not wanting to speak for him. Um, you know, he's got ambitions to have some hospitality space relating to Nail. Um, the arrangement that there is going to let him go ahead and... and do whatever, do whatever he chooses. So go and give him the opportunity to go and set up something of his own or have a clear pathway ongoing to continue exactly like he is now. But he's effectively sold out of his share of Brewcorp. Is that what yeah. the arrangement is? is yeah, but... Contract brews or... Yeah, yeah so... Uh, yeah, we had to d we had to deliver 100% of Brewcorp to Amatil and we've done that. So we've purchased that from... Ferrell's purchased that from Nail and then going... F and then the extension of that was the 100% purchase of Ferrell... You and John have been very close friends for a long time um, and John's also somebody who has some very strong opinions about a lot of things in the craft brewing industry. He was one of the active uh, members of the Australian Real Craft Beer Association when the Australian Craft Beer Association... How did he... Um, how did you broach the topic with him uh, that this was all going to take place and how did, he, uh, how did he react? I guess that's a good bellwether for... Yeah. Uh, look, he was, he was certainly understanding, so he knows exactly where we're at. Um, the other thing in doing the brewery upgrade, we actually bought a little bit more of Brewcorp as I know, it was a 50-50, and so that we took a quite a much bigger stake in it back then. Um, and so that took pressure off him in that he got some money in the pocket, but I got some other things on my shoulders. So he certainly understands that, um, and he knows his understanding of why it was done, and he's certainly comfortable, I'm sure, that... Um, where he's at with Nail going forward is, is at least as good as where he was before any of this came up. Feral obviously has an enormous footprint in WA. Um, uh, not so much on the eastern seaboard. Um, get shipping beer across the country is very expensive given your, uh, I'll say, pedantic um, approach to distribution. Mm. Um, are we going to see your beers start to be made uh, in Griffith, for example? Are, are they going to come out of Yendo and are there business advantages in looking into that sort of thing? There may be business advantages, and but there's been zero discussion or talk about it. We've got plenty of capacity where we are. Um, our brewery is well set up to make the type of beer that we make. Um, I'm not that familiar with the Yenda brewery and whether it's perhaps set up to make more... Um, 
mainstream beer. Maybe it's not. Uh, it's not a conversation that's been had. It's not something we're envisaging. It's and and unless we were really comfortable that w- what was tasted uh, and made and tasted out of the Yender Brewery was going to taste like it does as it was in the Swan Valley or the production brewery, then then it wouldn't probably be something that would get supported. And Swan Valley, the brew pub, that's still that was you know still an important part of the feral brand for Amatil that they have no intention of changing anything with that. Yeah, they're really really clear that that's you know that's the public face. That's where in, here in WA where we're strong. There's people have been coming out here and visiting it for for years now. People have um, you know we've had marriage proposals, all sorts of things happen here over a long time. So it's um, quite well known within the Perth community in Perth um, I guess hospitality scene and and even just day tripping type tourism type scene and and there's no question about it not continuing on as it is and um, you know what happens by way of development going forward where's a conversation to be had. Now Brendan you know it's our job to ask the um, (laughs) difficult questions Um, how much did you get? What have you been asking so far? (laughs) How much? How, how, how many zeros? <laughs> <laughs> Show me the money. Uh, no, we're not. Unfor- there are some contractual things that don't let us um, discuss that. And it won't have to go into the um, CCA reporting because it's, I suppose it's not a material. Not material to. No, it's to not the material. Company. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like we can say it's not material. But is that your um, Porsche parked out the front? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not driving at the moment. <laughs> um, but obviously, um, fifteen years of hard work, risk, um, you know, and pioneering, you know, it, it's not easy to, to have been, uh, had the role in the industry you've had. Whatever that figure is, it's been, uh, you know, worthwhile for you and your family? Yeah, for sure. And it, yeah, it is 15 years and I guess there are, you think back and it's been a hell of a lot of fun and like we said, made some great friendships and pretty well had the, for the best, for the most part of it, the dream run as a brewer to be able to do what you want whenever you want with no with no boundary so that's been um the good part but then there's clearly sacrifices along the way and um you know the girls get with the daughters will probably tell you i haven't been here time to time and there time to time so yep there have been sacrifices and and i whilst i was able to brew before feral brewing was opened i didn't know anything about running a business so that was kind of something that's been learnt on the fly and at often great well not at great expense but great inconvenience to to those that are close to you so um yeah i guess yeah it's satisfying and um, look we're happy with where it's ended i guess you've also had to learn now how to sell a business um and how how hard was that process and learning you know and where do you get advice on on conducting those sorts of negotiations yeah um yeah so yes yeah, so i guess when the time came i thought oh, well, i'll bring up a couple of blokes that i know from here here and here and see if there's any interest which which is not what ended up happening but that was my initial thought um f- something made me think about and call a corporate advisor and um and was convinced to engage him and I guess early days I was, I was thinking oh geez, this is going to be easy money for him that's a decent commission but as it gets deeper and you get closer the the detail for someone who's never been through that before is really um, quite astounding I guess the things that get looked into and the the um, considerations that have to be thought of 
Um, so look, we had a good corporate advisor, corporate advisor that helped us through that. And in hindsight, we probably wouldn't have got there without him. What next uh, for Feral? You, you said you've got uh, ambitious plans. Um, what can we expect uh, in in the next you know three, six, twelve months? Yeah, we will need to go through and probably not um, haven't been fully discussed and ticked off. So I don't want to speak out of, out of school about some of that. But certainly in the short term, um, we turned fifteen almost to the day today. Um, so in, in two weeks' time. We've got uh, a beer to be known as F15, with a pretty funky little F15 fighter on the label. Um, that'll come out. That's a, um, a bourbon barrel-aged brown ale. Um, so, so that'll be released the, in November, back end of November. Uh, Biggie Juice is a, is a one-off release. Um, I know Will's got a queue of things that he wants to bring from the brew pub to the production brewery. So we'll be able to accelerate the frequency of those. I think part of that's also going to just be with a bit of a... Um, a broader sales force, the fact that they can get a little bit more distribution will allow us to brew them more frequently. We kind of traditionally have spaced those into, they're sold out as in from us and then they're sold through from the shelf and then it's time to do another, almost dictated it. I suspect we we'll, might be able to get, get a bit broader distribution and an equal or better pull through so that we'll be able to accelerate that. And then the production brewery was not so much. There's a few plans from the Swan Valley that we've we'll, we've still got to talk through a bit. Um, that's probably the main piece um, that I think uh, hopefully we can give a bit of news about that maybe next year. Given uh, your new corporate overlords, uh, will we see Fanta Pants making a re return? I don't know. I haven't asked that. <laughs> I, I wonder if we could reinstate that name. I've not been going to ask yet. Well, actually, we haven't asked you on the record um, what happened to Fanta Pants? Because when I checked on your website, a beer called Fanta Pants had disappeared, and there was another red IPA on there called Blood Nut. We did get a cease and desist from. It wasn't from Amatul. It was from the other side of the world. Coca-Cola um, parent company. Yes, yeah. we got a fairly strong uh, cease and desist letter, and it, we probably didn't have a good case to argue against it. So we clearly did that. <laughs> but it hasn't come up in, in any of the conversations? Uh, only in jest, but come, bringing it back has not come up yet, no. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I guess that's the, the, the sale and everything around it. I, I guess, what do you... Um, where, where do you see the Australian market at the moment? Look, it's getting cluttered um, and it's certainly competitive. Um, so I... I would certainly rather be a brewery with a few years under its belt as opposed to one that's opening its doors in the years next one or two years to come. Um, I think quality is improving gradually, which is good. Um, I wonder a bit about the motivations of some people entering um, as to why why they why they would. Um, geez, I'd, I'd, if I if I looked at the space today. Um, and even being able to make beer and with the knowledge of brewing that I have, I would think of Australia as a really hard place to open. Um, so I'll probably see some price, price pressure uh, come out of necessity, as in if you don't have enough depth to your brand or you don't have it, or perhaps you've got a quality that is not A grade, you're gonna have to compensate by way of price in order to keep your doors open and that can then I guess flow on to other 
um, brands and brewers that do have some depth and have some quality behind them. So uh, that that's, that's already happening at the moment, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the end of it, um, and I I think. I'd be surprised if at some point in the next few years closings don't outnumber openings. Um, maybe not this year but or next year, but I'd say if, if the rate of openings continues, then there'll be a point where I think the closings are probably going to outstrip them. Was that weighing on your mind? You know, on, on one hand, you've got debt, um, mm. and on the other hand, you're thinking about how competitive and how much extra competition that there is going to be for you to service that debt, I guess. Yeah, not really. We're pretty... We're pretty sure about our place in the world. We actually, in fact, we're really sure about our place in the world. We've, it's probably unique, I think, in at least in the Australian craft beer market, where and how we position ourselves. So we were we were sure about that. And there were many options too, like um, the ways that we could have relieved debt were probably half a dozen of. You know, you could take a just taking shareholding just enough for the debt, whatever it might be. Um, we got to this position after considering all of them. Um, so, yeah, it, w it certainly wasn't out of a fear that it's going to get too competitive or we might get smaller or whatever because there's lots of ways to kill the debt and still have a great big heap of the business left if we wanted to. But just in the overall assessment of it, it was just probably right, right time. Well, mate, uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, <laughs> thank you. No, 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 you know. Thank you very much for your, for your time and uh, taking the time to explain uh, to us about it. Uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved over 15 years and uh, also particularly for you know, exiting with, uh, with, with, with Grace and uh, you know, all, all the best to you for the, uh, that Feral may continue the, the way that you envisage it going on. Thanks, mate. And not exiting, by the way. Um, I'm still, I'll, still be, I'll still be here. But, um, yeah, thanks. And thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to explain to people how we got here or to this position that we are today. And I maybe even just a, a thanks to you guys more for the entire journey that you've put in. Um, always an op always giving us the chance to, to be heard, to, to share what we've done within, within our business across the years. And I guess on behalf perhaps of other brewers, you don't often get told that um, I know industry appreciates the work that you guys put in, largely unpaid and unrewarded to um, provide a service to industry, which I think is really uh, not underappreciated but underrecognised. So, oh, just thanks, a mate. That's a tip yeah, for that. Yeah, that's very nice. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we're just waiting for someone to come along and offer to buy us out. So, <laughs> we can, uh, face that moral challenge ourselves. I've got a couple of cards, a couple of unsuccessful people I can share with you. <laughs> but let's start with a big feral advertising package and then work from there. <laughs> Congratulations, mate, and uh, we could probably leave it there. All right, thanks again. Sure.